Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Father, we thank you for all you're doing in our midst. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We continue in our worship of you, Lord, by quieting our souls and our minds. There's so many distractions. Maybe something happened this past week that's gnawing at us, that's weighing us down. Lord, we want to bring that to your throne. We want to bring every thought into the captivity of Jesus Christ. Take every thought captive. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. I pray for the gift of teaching. And, Lord, as we hear about the church in Smyrna, that we'll be open, that our spiritual eyes, our ears, that our souls will be soft and open to what you might share with us via your word. Bless this time in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Revelation chapter 2, if you're new or visiting. We are slowly but surely going through Revelation. We're going to go through all of the book. Eventually, it might take us a year, 16 months. But uh, hopefully, Jesus will come back shortly. The persecuted church is the heading that I have in my Bible. It's a very short letter. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are, of, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Well, last week we started the letters to the seven churches, and let's remember, these are actual churches that were located on the western end of Asia, or what is known today as Turkey. And last week we covered the church at Ephesus. They were commended by the Lord extensively. Yet he had this judgment against them that they had left their first love. Not that they had lost it, they had left it. And that is something that we all need to guard our hearts against. Well, this week, we're going to look at the next church on the postal route, Smyrna. Yes, the order in which the churches are addressed is the same postal route of that day. You see, the Romans had done a tremendous job of creating an efficient road system. So this was one of the modern conveniences of that day that God used in advancing the kingdom of God and of his one and only son, Jesus the Christ. So, and to the angel, to the pastor, the messenger of the church in Smyrna, Smyrna is located north and northwest of Ephesus, about 40 miles, and was a thriving seaport on a major trade route. It was founded about a thousand years before Christianity came into existence. They had many of the same benefits that were in Ephesus and in Roman cities. Smyrna was considered the most brilliant 
city of Asia Minor, successfully arriving Pergamos and Ephesus. On the slope of Mount Pegasus was a theater which seated 20,000 spectators. But what Smyrna was really known for at that time was for being a loyal city to the Roman Empire. This is very important. Many people will say, oh, the Bible's not applicable. Right now, if you, not, or if you are not loyal to a certain political party, you got a problem. And if you are loyal to a certain political party, you got a problem. It is a lose-lose situation. So this city was known to be loyal to the empire. They were so well known for their loyalty that Rome gave them the unique privilege of building a temple to the emperor Tiberius in 23 BC on what was called the Golden Street. That temple was dedicated to Emperor Tiberius, connected the temples of Zeus and Sibiel, and was said to have been best in the best of any of the ancient cities. Its streets were wide and paved. It was celebrated for its schools. Notice, it was celebrated for its schools of science and medicine and many handsome buildings. The city became the center of the emperor worship which years later would obviously cause tremendous problems. Those years later, we're looking at right now today. Tremendous problems for the believers located there. There were also temples dedicated to Apollo and Aphrodite. And the last thing we'll make mention of, what is supposedly the birthplace of the poet Homer. So like I mentioned last week about Ephesus, Smyrna was no small out-of-the-way town. It was a major city of culture, a trade center, as well as a focal point for pagan worship. Today, the city is known as Izmir, I-Z-M-I-R, and it's the third largest city in Turkey with a population of close to 3 million people, with a large Christian presence. As far as these seven churches listed here, Smyrna is the only church that's still in existence. Please keep this information in mind as we study through this letter to the church of Smyrna. And as it was titled in my Bible, maybe it's titled in your Bible, but it could definitely receive, receive the title, A Letter to the Persecuted Church. A Letter to the Persecuted Church. Verse 8, and to the angel, the messenger, the pastor of the church of Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. Again, Jesus makes reference to what he had earlier shared with John and for us, showing us clearly, clearly, that this is Jesus speaking and not the Heavenly Father. He was dead but had come back to life, which could not have been in reference to the Father, since the Father never died. Verse 9, I know your works. Notice this again as we talked about last week. I know your works. God is an intimate God. He knows you. He knows me. He knows every single Bible-believing Christian on this earth. He knows about our church. Tribulation and poverty. Notice that. I know your works, your tribulation, and your poverty. But you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, 
but are a synagogue of Satan. Again, Jesus knows the work of his church. As I mentioned last week, Jesus is in our midst. And he knows what is taking place within the churches as well as what is taking place within the life of every single believer. That's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. For these believers in Smyrna, that was really important to hear. You see, they were going through intense pain for the gospel of Jesus the Christ. And pain, I mean, nobody likes pain. But pain is a key element of our bodies. If we didn't know what pain was, then we could cause a lot of damage to our bodies. When something's hot, we're taught not to touch it. When our bodies start to hurt, it's a sign that something's wrong. And we'd be wise to give it the necessary attention. There's also emotional pain. How many of us in this room, I would venture to say every single one of us, have not been hurt by someone, some way? There's pain that can come through mental stress, the overload of one's ability to cope with one's circumstances. Prisoners of war have to deal with this type of pain. You see, pain is a natural part of this life due to the fall of mankind. But what type of pain is Jesus addressing here to this church? He's addressing pain. I believe it's a combination of what I just mentioned. Tribulation. I know your works, tribulation. That word tribulation there is defined as a pressing, a pressing, a pressing together, pressure. This is very relevant to today, guys. The last three years, there's been a pressing. There's been a pressing together. There's been a pressure. Which side are you going to choose? Who are you going to stand with? Who are you going to disobey? It's been taking place in these last few years. The Christians in this city were living in a pagan society of the false worship of idols. Does that sound like America? Sports could become an idol. Music and musicians could become an idol. But we don't have to take it very far. We could have our own idols in our own houses. I was walking out of Costco the other day, and man, this guy had on a cart this huge box. I mean, it was huge. I think it was a 72-inch idol. It was big. We could have a lot of idols. So it's easy to look somewhere far away and go, oh yeah, that's an idol. What's in our house that might become an idol? Anything you place above God is an idol. Maybe your children. Maybe your grandchildren. You see, they were coming to the truth of the fact that there was only one true God. And as they accepted that truth, it caused them to stand out. This goes back to last week with Ephesus. Have you left your first love? Are you still excited about Jesus? Do you come to church excited about seeing people? Excited about singing? Excited about hearing the word of God? Or is it just, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just going through the motions. God doesn't want that for you. The Holy Spirit doesn't want that for you. It caused them to stand out, to speak up, to go against the flow of that culture. That's what we've been doing as a church over the last three years. We're going against the flow. We've been spoken against. That's okay. We love God. We did what we needed to do. We love people. We did the distancing thing and other things. But we weren't going to stop. You see, that supernatural desire to speak the truth brought upon them the natural consequences of this world system. Persecution, 
or tribulation. Has that happened in the last three years to anybody? Especially a Christian? Oh, you're one of those. You don't believe in the science. No, I don't believe in political science. I believe in science. And it's been a lot of political science the last three years. Even though when they first came in, they were going to be the adults, and they were going to be the one that was going to teach everybody about science. You see, their society wanted to pressure them into compliance. Can anybody relate to that over the last three years? Maybe your company, you will get the shot or else. Wow, I, I thought I had free will. I thought I had choices. That or else, that's intimidation. That means I'm going to lose my job if I don't comply with you. But there's no pressure. <laughs> okay, got it. Now, the name of Smyrna, which means myrrh, comes from a root word which means bitter. Myrrh was one of its main commercial products and comes from a small bushy tree that created sap when cut. This syrup was then collected and stored for about three months until it hardened into clumps of resin and it had several uses. Myrrh was heated or crushed. Again, remember, we're studying a, a real live church. We're studying about the Christians in that church and what was happening in their lives and what is happening in our lives today as Christians. You might not know this. You could check it out, verify me, do a fact check. But there's a man right now in the UK that was fined because the UK has a law now that you cannot pray, you cannot silently pray within so many feet of an abortion clinic. And this man was not lifting his hands, he didn't have a rosary, he didn't have a Bible, he wasn't praying out loud, he was within those feet, he had his head bowed, and he was praying silently. They came up and asked him what he was doing. He said what he was doing. They arrested him. He is now going to go to trial and possibly face thousands of dollars of fines for praying silently on a public sidewalk. The thought police. It's happening in our world. It's happening. So again, myrrh was heated or crushed and mixed with oil to make a perfume. It was also used medicinally to reduce swelling and give relief from pain. The Bible records myrrh showing up three times in the life of Jesus. Matthew states that there were magi from the east who visited Joseph, Mary, and the young child, Jesus. And what did they bring? They brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mark notes that when Jesus was dying on the cross, someone offered him wine mixed with myrrh to ease the pain. But he didn't partake of it. Finally, John says Nicodemus brought a mixture of roughly 100 pounds of myrrh and alloys, aloes to anoint the body of Jesus when he was laid in the tomb. You see, Jesus suffered in these three ways. He suffered as a man. He suffered for man or mankind and lastly he suffered by man so for you and I are you being pressured are you being crushed 
Are you being heated? Do you feel that? I've heard this said before. Don't worry about it. God has his hand on the thermostat. He knows exactly how much you can take. He's with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. Question. As I've just stated, are you being crushed by this world? How are you being pressured by your family or friends? Think big now. Make it relevant. How are you being pressured by your family or friends to comply with this world's system? Oh, that doesn't happen. I don't know what world you're in. That happens. I heard several instances, and actually it was one instance even within our own family, that if the parents didn't get the shot, they wouldn't be allowed to see their grandkids. This whole shot divided this country. It divided families. It divided individuals. It might not be of this world's system. Maybe it's a religious system. How are people trying to pressure you to come back to a certain religious denomination? For the youth here today, how are your friends trying to pressure you into doing something that you know you shouldn't do? As adults, we've all been there and done that. We used to be teens at one time. It might be hard to believe, but we used to be teens. And we went through that same pressure. This pressure is very real, and it can be hard to resist. But we need to see what Smyrna, that Smyrna stood firm and was commended personally by Jesus. Commended. The Holy Spirit will give us the necessary strength and will commend us as well. Also in verse 9 there, I know your works, your tribulation, and your poverty, but you are rich. Poverty. This isn't poverty for lack of desire to work. Lack of desire to work, which we're now seeing happening in our country. Later in this verse, Jesus makes reference to Jews who are actually being used by Satan to persecute the Christians. You see, the Jews, unfortunately, took this opportunity to side with Rome and help accuse the Christians of insurrection against Rome. They did it to Jesus, and they were more than happy to do it to this Christian church in Smyrna. This persecution caused believers to lose everything, with jobs being the most important. No job, no money. Uh, Have you read or have you heard of somebody who lost their job over the last three years because of their stance for being a Christian and I will not bow the knee? That's reality. You see, this persecution then caused the believers to lose everything. Now, this is not anti-Semitic, what I'm saying here. It can be verified historically. Even today... When people of certain religious backgrounds leave their original faith, they are often seen as treated as dead. We have a Messianic friend. Her family literally treated her as dead for years because she became a believer. She married a Gentile. For years, treated her as literally dead. This is reality. You leave the Muslim faith, Islam, You'll be treated as dead. If not, in certain areas, they will try to kill you, literally kill you. The family wants nothing to do with them and will not support them in any way. But notice what Jesus said to the believers in Smyrna. What does he say there? But you are rich. I want to encourage you as we continue down this road of Christianity, and it's going to get worse and worse for the Christian. 
Do not forsake Jesus for your family. Do not forsake Jesus for your mate. Do not forsake Jesus for your family member, any family member. Do not forsake Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. You might be that example that your family needs to see, maybe after you're dead and gone, that they were right. The Bible was right. I mean, guys, are you seeing the Bible come alive? We are being conditioned and conditioned. And this isn't a fairy tale. This isn't conspiracy. We're being conditioned. I don't know if you heard about it, but this past week we got downrated. America got downrated on the global. It's unbelievable. They want to drive us down. The purpose is to crash America. Are you ready for America to crash? Now, we all hope it doesn't happen. It'd be wonderful if it didn't happen, right? But are you ready if it does? Because Jesus said he's coming back. America or no America, he's coming back. 2 Corinthians 6, 8 says this, By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true. As unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold we live. As chastened and yet not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor yet making many rich. As having nothing yet possessing all Things. This is Paul writing. And you might want to check out 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and what Paul went through for the gospel. You and I have gone through nothing compared to what Paul went through. And he was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He went from having everything in Jerusalem, everything at his beckoning call. Paul was married. Paul had children. He was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He would have, uh, a Pharisee of a Pharisee. In other words, his father was a Pharisee. He would have wanted to carry on the lineage. He wasn't single. He had everything and he lost it all and remained single for the rest of his life. And he went through tremendous things. How about you and me? Are we ready to forsake it all, including a mate if we had to? And say, well, I hope I see you on the other side but I ain't leaving Jesus. You see, Jesus is letting the believers in Smyrna know that they were rich spiritually, and that beats anything on this side of heaven. Anything. Because that's eternal, and we're all heading towards eternity, guys. Every single second, we are one step closer to eternity. Luke 12 says this, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus speaking. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches nor moth destroyed. Again, I just want to encourage you because sometimes when we do things, it comes and goes and then it's out of our head. I really want to encourage you to pray about making a commitment to this child sexual trade that's taking place and maybe giving some of your resources to those who are already established on rescuing children. Pray about that. Store up treasure in heaven. This is what Jesus is saying. What you have, sell what you have. Now, obviously, you've got to take everything in context from Genesis to Revelation. If we, everybody sold everything they had, which is what the early church did, they ended up in poverty, and Paul had to go around and make up collections because they sold everything they had. So when you read something, you want to read all of the scripture and realize that if God asked you to sell everything, would you sell everything? 
He's most likely not going to ask you that. But if he did, would you be willing? If he asked you to give something away, a car or something else, would you be willing to do that? That's what it's really all about. Where's our heart? Because a lot of people freak out about things like this. I'm not going to pray because God might ask me to give everything away. I I would say 99% of the time that's not going to happen. So don't be afraid of praying. Just pray. He'll take care of you. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's the point that Jesus is making. Where is your heart? Is your heart in the stock market? Is your heart in your 401k? Is your heart in your career? Is your heart into the kids? Again, balance, balance, balance. Yes, pour into the kids. But is that your focal point? You spend more time with the kids and you don't even read your Bible? What example is that for the kids? You do all kinds of things, running them to and fro, and you don't pray together as a marital couple? What example is that for the kids? They need to see these things. What they do with it is their free will. But they need to see these things. Is Jesus number one in your life? Are you ready to suffer for Jesus? Or are you hiding? Don't hide. 2 Corinthians 8, 8, 9 says, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, guys, Jesus spoke everything into being. We just watched a two-hour documentary yesterday, phenomenal documentary about this earth that totally, totally, 100% shows that creationism. No evolution is impossible. Fact after fact after fact after fact after fact. Scientist after PhD after um, unbelievable information. He was rich. Yet what did he do? He hung on a cross. He hung on a cross. Yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, the health and wealth people, the the Christian fiction, will take a verse like this and blow it all out of proportion, and you're supposed to be millionaires. All of you are supposed to be millionaires. Not at all. If he makes you one, praise him for it. Give it away. Because your kids will blow it when you leave it. Store up treasure in heaven. It's not about being rich monetarily. When we go through persecution, we grow spiritually. And we, no one can buy or take away that type of wealth. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. The enemy will use anyone, including a Christian, to try to destroy your walk. Be very careful. Be very careful. Make sure you're reading your Bible that you know when even if a Christian was to say something, you'd have the Holy Spirit say, they just took that out of context. Double check that. They, I, you want to double check. Verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death. In the early 100s AD, the congregation of Smyrna had a pastor by the name of Polycarp. Polycarp. Who was a personal, who was personally mentored by John the Apostle. 
How do we know that? Ignatius of Antioch wrote letters which still exist to both Polycarp and his congregation. Unfortunately, Polycarp, at the age of 86, was martyred in Smyrna in the year 156. He was spiritually rich and would not deny his Savior and Lord. At 86 years old, are you willing to give up your Social Security for Jesus? (laughs) I mean, that's an intense question. Think about it. Because we're being conditioned. For you older saints, next time around it might be, if you don't get the shot, we're going to withhold your social security. Well, that'll never happen. Yeah, just keep saying stuff like that. You'll find out real quick. You see, persecution was real then, and it is still real today in many countries. Jesus then gives the Christians in Smyrna a warning of what they are about to face. Jesus taught us in Matthew 10, 28, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We read this 10-day reference, and he has a few possible views. One is that it's a reference to the 10 Roman emperors from Nero to Diocletian who persecuted the church. Second view, that the number 10 is a reference to a short period of time. The third view, that it was a literal 10-day period of time and that the church was going to go through intense suffering. And all three of those, you really can't verify too much or really pull out stock in. You could also reference Genesis 24, 55, Daniel 1, 12, and Job 9, 3 for the fourth view, which would line up perfectly with Galatians 6, 9. For you and I this day, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Why does it line up perfectly? Well, as you look up that word season, and you can do this, I'm not a Greek scholar, it's all available to you, you can look it up. That word season there is a specific measure of time. It's a specific measure of time. As we go through our tribulations, and God is allowing us to go through them, there's a specific measure of time. He's got that time already. He already knows it. We can either quit and go around the mountain, or we can allow the Holy Spirit to take us through, whatever that might be, whatever trial, whatever tribulation that might be. You see, it's God's timing, not ours. I believe that's what's being said here, 10 days. God has a plan and a purpose. How long could this tribulation last? You might even be asking yourself what you're maybe going through right now. Take comfort because God knows and the Holy Spirit will bring you through it. Whichever view you choose, notice that the enemy of our soul, the demonic forces at work, are still at work even to this day and we're behind this persecution. Notice what Jesus says. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you. He has to approach the throne of God before he can do anything to us. I take great comfort in that. Notice as well that Jesus says, do what? Do not fear. Do not fear. Any of those things which are about to suffer, the enemy will faithfully continue to persecute the church, but greater is he who is in in us than he who is in the world. And we'll wrap it up with verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. There are two deaths. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you want to understand these two deaths. The first death is a physical death, which 
10 out of 10 people still die. They haven't found a solution for that, and they're not going to. Everyone in this room is going to die. That's the first death. That's a physical death. The second death is a spiritual death. If you have Jesus as your Savior, when you die, the second you die, you take your first breath in heaven, you are immediately in the presence of God. 186,000 miles per second. If not, you're going to Hades or hell. And you will suffer from that moment for all of eternity. But at the great white throne judgment, you will be called forth and you will be judged. And that will be the second death, eternal separation from God. You will stand there and go, but I wasn't so bad. And Jesus will open up the book and say, oh, really? Let's look at a few of your sins. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Second death, spiritual death. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to die twice. If you know Jesus, you're only going to die once. Make sure you know Jesus. 1 John 5, as I mentioned last week, for whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Just receive Jesus. You're an overcomer. And this is the victory that has come, overcome the world, our faith, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And lastly, as the world continues to turn its back on God, guys, may we stay faithful to our call as believers because we are ambassadors for Christ. We shouldn't look at any party. Oh, you're our ambassador for the word of God. If we just got the Bible back in school, everything would be great. No, it wouldn't. We are ambassadors for Christ. We know the rest of the story. We know what awaits us as well as what awaits the unbeliever. Jesus said it will be as it was in the days of Lot. It will be in the days of Noah. It will be. Accept that fact. And let's minister to people who are around us that they might have the hope, the living hope that you and I have, that this life is not all there is. Because billions of people, this life, they know, is all they have. We as believers know differently. Father, we thank you and praise you that we know the rest of the story. And to be absent from this body is to be present with you. And no matter what a person does to us, we know we're going to heaven. So Lord, I pray that you bring on the persecution. For when persecution comes, the church always grows because people wake up to the reality. The Bible is true. And so Father, we thank you and praise you. We know your Bible is true. We know your word is true. We know your Holy Spirit dwells within us. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that as we go out this week that we'll be available to others to plant, to water, to fertilize. And Lord, if it's your will, to pray with someone to receive Jesus. Use us this week in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.